Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hey, Greg Palmer here. Welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. We've got a slightly unusual one for you this week. We just wrapped up Finnovate Fall earlier this month in New York, and our team was busy on site interviewing a lot of the speakers who we had on stage. We are going to give you two of those interviews here. If you're interested in hearing more of the content that we recorded at Finnovate Fall this year, check us out on Streamly or reach out to us at info at to find out how you can hear more of these conversations. To kick things off, we're going to have a conversation with William Mills of William Mills PR. He had a moment to connect with Tomas Chamorro Premizic, author of I, Human. Tomas was on stage at Finnovate Fall this year, did a great session. Let's turn it now over to William and Tomas for their conversation. Hi, I'm William Mills. I'm here at Finnovate Fall in New York, and I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Tomas Chamorro Premizic, who's author of iHuman, AI automation, and the quest to reclaim what makes us unique. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me here. Enjoyed your presentation this morning. Thank you. I uh, wanted to start off. What tell us about your vision for AI in the future? Well, you know, more than a prediction about what will happen, it's more of a prescription about what I think should happen, which is fundamentally, you know, we are still in control and in the driving seat, and we need to ensure that the AI age is the human AI age. And with that, I think there's three fundamental things we need to work out. One, how we can ensure that the productivity gains that we obtain from AI result in us transitioning to more creative and intellectually fulfilling tasks right. and jobs so that humans remain in the loop and fulfilled. Secondly, uh, incremental improvements from things that aren't working very well today in terms of accuracy, bias and efficiency. And third, I think the creation and deployment of good ethical standards and charters so that you know we minimize the frequency of malignant or malicious activity around AI. I mean, if the three things happen, they will enhance each other and we can think of a future that is better than the present. So this AI uh, prescription in the future, where do humans fit in? in this future? Humans play a big role designing ethical AI, being in the loop at the level of conception and inception. For example, ensuring that you can decontaminate data sets, training data sets from biases so that we don't just replicate or augment human biases, but we actually optimize algorithms for something that is better than the past. Secondly, they play a role um, revaluing the uh, interactions with other people in an age where most of our tasks, jobs and interactions will be heavily dependent on technology. Right. We're going to crave human and humane contact right. and validation. So it's very important that with that, we, um, we reclaim you know, the skills and the qualities that AI is unlikely to master. Things like empathy, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, kindness, consideration. So, you know, I think the more we depend on AI and technology, the more we need to work to humanize the world. So in the creative fields, and a lot of creative industries, we're already seeing content being, you know, you open AI and different tools being used to create content. 
How can we best adapt as creators in this new environment? So I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, technology has always been used to make things more efficiently, ef efficient. You know, the mind is a powerful thinking machine, but the brain is a very lazy organ and it's not for thinking. We want to make things as predictable and easy as possible. So even in the creative fields of domains, take movie production, music, uh, poetry, literature, non-fiction, you know, science even, generation. If there are patterns that make something predictable enough that machines can do it, it's a little bit like a cat and mouse chase or race, whereby as soon as there's something that machines can do, it will push us to actually invent something new. So, you know, to give you a very blunt example, Spotify could probably automate 90% of its artists because it has so much data on the music production that people like, and, you know, it could do it, but that wouldn't kill human musicians. It would simply push the boundaries of, of uh, creativity and imagination and music to the next level. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that ties into the next question I was going to ask you is, besides music and arts things, what are unique to humans that AI will never really be great at in the future? Well, I think, you know, consciousness, uh, understanding. I mean, even when AI can replicate some of the output that usually requires um, or needs some understanding, it fundamentally doesn't understand things. You know, the, the description of generative AI as a stochastic parrot or a calculator for words is accurate. Right. Uh, and so actually, to the degree that there is still value in fundamentally understanding things, including ourselves, right. those will be the things that, and then you get to consciousness, which, you know, for a while has been questioned as in what is the point? Maybe the point of it is actually to get us to a deeper level of understanding than what AI can generate. So look, in the near future, AI can give me a perfect description of your friends and your spouse and your parents, but you would still understand them in a way that AI can't. And the same applies to AI's ability to describe or you know, make sense of anything else. Well, what, what is something that we can do as humans to, prevent, uh, to protect our individuality? This is a really good question. And I think, um, you know, first, I think it's important that we harness it before we protect it, that we actually understand what it means, how we differ from others, and what aspects of that are good or bad. Secondly, I think, you know, we need to be aware of the fact that whenever we automate or outsource aspects of our life, because it's more efficient, that there's more to living as a human or being a thinking and feeling kind of a, a creature or sensing human to, than efficiency. Right? Efficiency, by definition, is the enemy of deep exploration and deep understanding. I mean, right. something is quick and easy and cheap when, by definition, you're not really fully immersing yourself in what the problem is. And then I think, finally, it's important that we really put this technology to the best possible use that we can. And I think, you know, that might transcend things like understanding or protecting our individuality and actually work more at the collective level. How can we make systems, groups, teams, organization function better and achieve things better together through the help of data and the help of AI as a co-pilot that translates that data into recommendations? So in closing, what is the one thing you want people to take away from this conversation? 
that it's important to have or try to have a nuanced perspective on AI and that nobody has the answer. We're still hitting at a moving target, but that the right balance, I think, to approach this topic is a combination of uh, humble exploration and an experimental mindset with also a focus on the problems that we're trying to solve. Because if this becomes just or is treated like another fad or like another overhyped phenomenon, right. uh, people will be disappointed and will actually miss out on the opportunity, which is to improve many, many things in life. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm looking forward to reading iHuman. And Tomas, thank you so much. This is William Mills. I'm here at Finnovate Fall in New York City. Really good conversation there. Again, the book is called I, Human. Would encourage you to check it out. The author, again, Tomas Chamorro Premizic. And now I'd like to switch over to our next conversation. Stephen Ramirez of Beyond the Arc was able to catch up with Jim Perry, a longtime fintech consultant who was also on stage at Finnovate Fall this year, to talk about diversity in the financial technology space. Hi, I'm Steven Ramirez, the CEO of Beyond the Arc, and I am uh, so thrilled to be back here at Finnovate in New York. And this time, great conversation with Jim Perry. Jim, it is a pleasure to actually see you in the flesh, not on social media, not on LinkedIn, but actually here in New York. Exactly, Steven. It's so much fun. I've had so many contacts with folks that I've been talking to virtually for the last four or five years. So here, we're real people. Yeah, so tell me about, so speaking of that, you were on stage, you know, so what, what are you talking about here with Finnovate? Interestingly enough, I'm not talking about AI, I'm not talking about chat GPT, I'm talking about diversity. It's something that I think we need to be having a lot more conversation with these days, because let's face it, overall, we have a population that's becoming increasingly diverse, and we need to be able to deal with it two most important things in this industry right now, which is keeping talent, finding talent, and finding customers and retaining them. And we're not going to do it if we don't tend to the issue of diversity. So if you're, if you're a community-based financial institution, um, where should diversity fit in your strategic goals? Honestly, it should be a priority, especially if you haven't paid attention to it. I mean, so often, it doesn't become a strategic priority for the institution. Um, it'll be handed off to HR, somebody looks at it on a value statement somewhere, but it doesn't get much past that. And then on the other hand, I see small institutions, sometimes they get stuck dealing with like tiny little issues, like whether or not to put um, our pronouns on our email. It's like, what do we do with that? No, let's elevate this to a larger issue. Let's talk about representation. Let's talk about things like pay equity. Let's talk about things that are actually going to engage your workforce more completely. And are you seeing that, the, that there are changing demographic trends and that that's something that banks need to uh, tackle head on? Absolutely. One of the things that's always interesting, I just quoted some statistics pretty recently about how within the next 20 years, we're going to be in a situation where white Americans will be essentially in a minority for the first time in our nation's history. Now, of course, some people in this time of culture wars and political kind of craziness, they push back against that and they get really nervous and they get really anxious. But this is a trajectory we've known about for the last several decades. 
We've seen this coming. Our nation is becoming increasingly diverse. And when you get down to certain market areas, I've seen institutions totally ignore some of what's happening demographically around them. And, and then they realize they're not aligned with their customers, they're not aligned with the market, and they're missing opportunities. Well, I think that that's really the theme, right, is if you can align with the changes that are happening in your market, not just from a diversity perspective, but I see, I wonder if you see that on a bigger, in a bigger, bigger way too. Absolutely, one of the things that I've been talking at a lot of conferences about is we're approaching, if not already arrived, at a demographic crisis in this country. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of community-based institutions, especially, that they could be looking at, you know, big percentages of their customer base right now that are over the age of 70, over the age of 75. Yes. We know how that story ends. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, most of their kids or grandkids have long ago moved out of that market area we were working with a client that was losing a million dollars in deposits every single month. Yeah, and at, this, and at this time when deposit, you know, retention and growth is more important than ever, right, those are those are those become critical. Absolutely. I mean, I've been watching this from the perspective of the great wealth transfer, right? You have now over $70 trillion that are going to transfer to a, a much more diverse set of beneficiaries, more of a more changing needs, different, you know, different lifestyles. And so I think there's an opportunity for financial institutions to align with these changing demographics uh, and and we see it on the wealth side, but I think you see it in retail banking. I think you see it even in, even in what it means to run a small business. I, I think that all of these things uh, are, are somehow connected. Absolutely. And one of the things I'm excited about is seeing the leadership that's coming from the fintech side of the kind of community to really give banks, give credit unions the tools that they need to actually meet that new generation with the kind of products and services that are going to help make sure that that transfer of wealth can stay within a particular market if that's what that institution is prepared for. I mean, when you start talking about some of the great tools we even heard here at Finnovate, it's like, let's kind of accelerate that as quickly as possible because we are right there now. Yeah, and since we are at Finnovate, I guess my last question for you is, you know, as you sort of look at these set of problems and challenges that, that uh, financial institutions face, are there particular technologies or tools that have gotten your attention? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's so many. I can't even, like, pick one off from the top of my mind. But I think the thing that I'm most frustrated with and the thing that I'm always telling bankers to do all the time you have to lean into this. You have to experiment with it. You, when I see people like cross their arms and get all cranky over mm -hmm. like, no, I'll never use ChatGPT. It's like, you should be experimenting with everything that comes along. I've been saying that ever since we started finding new digital tools. Yes, open an account, see what your customers are doing because they're now way ahead of you. Mm -hmm. You've got to catch up. Yeah, great. Well, Jim, thank you very much. Really appreciate the conversation today and uh, really appreciate everyone joining us. Thank you. Two really good conversations there. Next week, we'll be back with our first session talking to one of our best of show winners at Finnovate Fall. We've got quite a few quality companies to connect with there as well. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thanks as always for listening to the Finnovate podcast. 
The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at Finnovate.com for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. Thank you.